though, because it seems like it's just so far out of reach, right? Like, I mean, we, the last thing we could say is that our world is peaceful or that, you know, it's, it's, it's even a proverbial saying, right? Like this idea of like world peace, right? And, and it usually is followed with a chuckle and yeah, right, like that would ever happen. Peace is all God is about. And we've seen this in the, in the days leading up to Jesus onto the cross and, and what he's accomplishing is peace, real peace. Peace in our lives, peace with him. And so this morning we're going to unpack that because what we're going to see is we're, we're going to connect. We're going to connect the birth story of Jesus with his resurrection. Because frankly, we would not be here if Jesus didn't do something. If he was just a baby born in a manger and that was it, then I wouldn't be here. And I don't think you guys would be here. <laughs> the reason we're here is because he did something. And to even say the word something seems like such a, uh, a uh, poor statement to say of what Jesus did. And so we're going to unpack this and we're going to start uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up. The verses will be on the screen. We're going to actually start in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. But let me start by praying. Father, this is... <laughs> Peace is what we all want. We're just skeptics. We're skeptical that, that even within our own minds, we could achieve peace, that we could find your peace. Certainly in our relationships, it seems to evade us. And, and even with you, Father, we, we confess that peace is not something that we would define any aspect of our lives, probably. God, we ask this evening that you would show us the peace that you brought, that you sent. And... Help us to long for the final and full peace that we'll have when we're back in your presence. We love you, Father. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're a guest here, welcome. I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. If I didn't get to meet you on the way in, please stop me on the way out. Um, but this is, this is great. It's fun being here in the evening, right? I, I think one... Um, I think Bianca said it to me, she's like, so is this just like the same church just at night? I'm like, yeah, basically, that's it, that's it, that's all we did. We actually, and not only, not only that, but we just took Sunday, because don't come here on Sunday, because we won't be here, I'll be in my PJs drinking eggnog around a Christmas tree, um, and, and so, you know, we just took Sunday, and we just imported it to Friday evening, so, um, but it's fun, it makes it different, it makes it special, Right? Luke chapter 2, verse 14. This is the story of the shepherds are out in the field uh, the night of Jesus' birth, and the angels sing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is not just some melody, it's not just a, a rhythm, and maybe it rhymed, I don't know in Greek if it rhymes or not. But, but this is what they declared. They sang this out, and they, they said that, that glory is to God. Why? 
Because peace came to humanity. Peace came to humanity through the birth of this child. This is what the angels declare. And so we sit here 2,000 years later and we go, it doesn't seem much better. Where's the peace? What, what peace are they talking about here? And, and this is not just like, hey, this is some future peace that, you know, when, when Jesus comes back, we're going to have peace. That, I mean, that is an aspect to it, and that is for sure going to be the full and complete peace that we, will, we can't even comprehend what that's going to look like. And so there is that, and we long for that, and we hope for that, and we wait for that day when Christ returns. But that's not just that's not just this, because it says, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. That's, that's us, that's you and me. And so this is what he declares, or the angels declare. It's, it's a fundamental piece of God's redemption plan. And we've talked about this as, we, as we've walked up to this, right? That, that Jesus, as he's walking to the cross, is explaining to us just where this peace comes from, how much conflict we have, and why we need this peace. It's part of the salvation story. This is the salvation story, right? Because Jesus came, and this is what the angels are, gonna, are declaring here, is that the birth of this, this child is more than just the birth of just some person. It's more than just a young lady. It's more than just shepherds. It's more than a star. It's more than any of those things. It's what he brought. It's why we're here. Because like I said, we wouldn't be here if he didn't do something of significance. In fact, even more so than that, if Jesus didn't do something of significance, he would be written down in the history books as an epic failure. In ridicule. I mean, his, his great, marvelous, amazing teachings would certainly be overshadowed by his outlandish claims of being God, right? I mean, you, you, you couldn't really take both of those. You're like, yeah, that's a good teaching, but he was kind of a lunatic because he said these things. If he didn't do what he said he was going to do. You see, that's the rub, and for some reason... We miss that, and we forget about that, and the world forgets about that. And they go, well, we'll just take this side of it, but we won't take this side of it. No, you can't do that. In fact, he should not be somebody you would even talk about because he would have been insane. But he did prove it. He did raise himself from the grave. He didn't just defeat death. He didn't just avoid death. He personally raised himself from the grave. He said he was going to do it, and then he did it. Okay, so now we got to look at this and go, well, if, if he said he was going to do that, what else did he say he was going to do? What else did he promise us? Because he's got some credibility at this point, right? He's the only human that's done this, so maybe we should look at what else he has done. And so this is the story of Jesus' birth. And I'm not going to go through it. Like almost no Eve Eves have I even spoken of the, the, Christ, the, the birth story because I'm, we're typically bringing this back. Because honestly, every time we come in here, we're talking about the significance of Jesus' birth 
his life, his death, and his resurrection. And if you've been coming over the last, I guess since August, when we started going through the book of John, we are now at the final, no, we're not, you're going to have to finish chapter 21 on your own. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Trust me, you're, you're, you're happy I didn't do a chapter and a half tonight, right? So we're going to finish up in chapter 20, and you're going to go and do, you, that's your homework, okay? Go finish up chapter 21, because the next time we're here, we're, we're, we're moving on, okay? So, but in chapter 20, what we're going to see is this is the, the climax of the story. This is it. This is the point in history that the angels at his birth are pointing to. And when Christ is on the cross and he says it's finished, this is the peace that he brought. Christ is looking back going, the angel said I was going to do this, and I just finished what I said I was going to do. So turn over to John chapter 20, and this is where we're going to anchor-ish uh, the rest of the time. But So here's the stage, right? And so uh, you guys read this this week in your small groups, in your own personal studies, right? Like, they go, the tomb is empty, Mary Magdalene actually sees Jesus, she comes back, she tells the disciples, everybody's like, what is going on? They have no idea what's happening, and all of a sudden, what you get is in, cha in uh, chapter 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I feel like the word glad is, is a, a, maybe a poor translation in English. Could you imagine? I mean, they, they locked the doors, right? Because they're like, if the, the case of the missing Jesus, they were going to the disciples, right? Like that's, you stole him, you're trying to make this whole thing work, right? You're, you're clamoring, you're hanging on, and so they, they, they're, they're, they're locking the doors. And what happens? In the midst of them, Jesus stands there. In fact, in Luke's account, he says not only was he standing there, he actually asked them for something to eat. He eats with them. He goes on to prove that he is actually standing there in his presence. It's not some visage of Jesus. It's not a ghost. It's not uh, a spiritual being. It, it, is, it is Jesus in the flesh standing before him. And in fact, if you turn over to Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Luke goes on to say, that Jesus, it says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Have you realized this? That Jesus, like, was cruising around for 40 days? Like, in my, in my mind, this was maybe like a year ago that I was kind of like, wow, that's, that's pretty good proof, right? It wasn't like it was just like in a room, Boo, I'm here to the disciples, and then he leaves. It's like 40 days, and Jesus is popping up, showing proofs that he is actually alive. Now, he, walked, he appeared in the room through locked doors. Right? This is not something we can comprehend. This is not a, a carbon-based, materialistic being. Like, I, I don't know. We're not going to get into that, right? But somehow, he has actual flesh, actual blood, actual wounds, and somehow that can go 
through walls and materialize in our presence, which I would, I would say this probably means he's God, okay? But I don't want to spoil, not do a spoiler alert, right? But we'll get to that, okay? Then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul talks about this. In fact, when he plants the church in Corinth, he's very clear about what's important to him. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He's writing this, this is 20 years later, this is around like 53 A.D., Jesus was crucified around 33 AD. So, so here's Paul writing. He's like, you can go ask them. You can go ask them if they saw Jesus. There's these, he, he appeared to 500 people at one time, right? This is not some mass delusion thing. Jesus legitimately rose from the grave. And so we go, okay. Then what else did he say? <laughs> if he said he was going to rise himself from the grave, what else did he say, and what did this mean when the angels said that this baby, who was going to defeat death, also was going to bring peace? So look, go back to John chapter 20, verse 21. It says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He says this three times here, peace be with you, peace be with you. This isn't just a salutation. I mean, it's, it's become a salutation, but it wasn't just a salutation. Jesus is actually telling them, peace, I'm bringing you peace. Peace is now with you. How? Look at, look at what he says. He, says. he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am. I'm sending you. There is, there is some interesting, very weird corollary between God sending Jesus as the infant in the manger to save humanity and how he sent us. You feel like that? You go, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. You see, what, what the first point here is that Jesus is showing us that we have peace with God, that we're aligned, right? We, we talked about that. Um, I don't remember who it was that said, uh, Bianca, it said that, like, that we have these, uh, our opinions, right? Instead of us having, I want to do this and I want this in my life, right? And God wants this and there's this conflict, which we all have, right? What he's saying is that you now have peace with God. Your creator, God. Look with me at, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, what, 
our sins, our rebellion is conflict with God. We talked about that last week in here, right? That, that every time that, that we're sinning and we're living in rebellion, and we're living for our own affairs and our own thoughts and our own prerogatives, that's rebellion. It's rebellion because God's going, I'm sending you. And we go, thanks, I got other things to do, I'll be right back. In 40 years, <laughs> or 80, or I'll see you eventually, God. And so there's this rebellion, there's this conflict. And so what Jesus does is he spills his blood on the cross. He takes our sins upon him and gives us his righteousness. And so in God's eyes, we are now righteous. You're righteous. How do you like that? Upgrades, right? From God's perspective, you have Christ's righteousness. If your trust and faith is in him, that's it. That's why we call this the good news. That's why it's called the gospel. Because we're like, man, every other religion is, I got to work, I got to be better, I got I to gotta do more good things, and I do bad things. Like, eventually, maybe I think I'll be okay. It's not, that's not good news. That's really bad news, right? Because now you're living your whole life going, am I in conflict with God? Is he happy with me? Is he pleased with me? Did I, did I offend him? Did I make the wrong decision? Right? We walked, we've all walked this path, probably, if you're, if you're probably not in the grouping down here. If you're everybody else, you probably walk this path a little bit where you go, I don't know if I'm in conflict with God. What Jesus says is, I have brought you peace with God by dying on the cross, by taking your sins. But notice, there's a second part to this, that peace comes with a purpose. It's in our purpose that we find peace. Look at what he says in verse 21 here. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. You're sent. That's your purpose. Well, it's probably the toughest one for me to write down. Because frankly, we spend our childhoods and our teenage years crafting dreams of what we want to be and do. We work hard at it. Some of us succeed, some of us don't. Some of us, it's close to reach, might be in reach. But our whole mind, our whole world is focused around the family that we want, the place we want to live, the house that we want, the job that we want, what, what things are... Dude, God's sitting back there going, I, didn't I send you to do something? And yet we, we hardly consider. We hardly even consider where that engages in our lives. Where we look at, at God sending us and going, God, do you want me to do this? Do you want this for my life? And when God shoots us in the opposite direction, we get angry. Don't we? We go, God, this isn't what I wanted. There's nothing wrong with me doing the path that I wanted, God. This person does it. You, you, you like them, apparently. It's such a challenge for us. But what he says is, you're going to have peace by being sent. That your purpose is not in your job. Your purpose is not in your relationships. Your purpose is not where you live. Your purpose is tied to the cross. It's tied to Jesus Christ. That's what we're living for, you guys. 
So we ought to be living for. And so we're looking at every relationship, every opportunity to speak the gospel, to proclaim this good news, to, to speak peace, because these people, other people, haven't heard this. They haven't heard that peace is actually something that God has given us by his grace, unmerited forgiveness. He gave it to us. We didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. I definitely didn't earn it. He just gave it to us. Look at what Jesus says in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. If we could rewrite this, we would go, in the world is my life, and occasionally I'll go get some peace from Jesus. That's not what he says. It's such a beautiful promise. And notice here, it says, in me you will have peace. Did you guys notice when I read that Luke 2.14 verse, did you all go, is that how that goes? When I read that at the very beginning, glory to God in the highest, good uh, peace, good will towards men. Isn't that how, is, is that how everybody memorized it? As opposed to peace to those whom, with whom God is pleased. Go, oh, that's, a, that's a homework assignment. Go look that up. Literally every version of the translations, and it's based on the, the tense of the noun, but all translations have it, what we just read, uh, or something very close to that. It's the King James only one that actually says peace and goodwill towards men. Anyway, we, uh, find, find me offline and, and we can uh, talk about it uh, uh, another time. But anyway, but, but notice what he says. God did not give peace to the entire humanity. He didn't. It's not world peace. I'm sorry. I mean, you can go into Revelation, eventually there's going to be peace in the world, and we can get into all the eschatology stuff, but this isn't what he's talking about here. The angels are declaring that you, those whom God has favor with will experience his peace. Those who have placed their trust in Christ, in Christ, you will have peace. This is why we go and we live and we're sent, because we want people to understand, like, this is peaceful. You know the struggles you're having at work? Peace. You know the struggles you're having in your marriage? Peace. You know the struggles you're at, right? Like, this is what we are sent to do. We're too busy. We're too distracted. Trying to craft our own little plans. But notice this. We have peace with power. Go back to John chapter 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that, that in Acts, a similar thing is going to happen, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, right? And, and that brings power. It's God's power through the Holy Spirit that gives us peace. Look at, look at what it says in um, John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. All truth. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. Truth. 
That's peaceful. Man, especially today. You know, I don't even know what's true anymore. It's a regular discussion we have. I read this. I wonder if it's true. <laughs> right? Like, we have no idea anymore. Rewind 10 years ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is probably true. But now it's like everything's suspect, and it creates what? Conflict, chaos, divisiveness. And you're trying to figure out what's true and what's not. And what the Holy Spirit does is like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you all truth. It doesn't mean we're going to know everything, but it does mean that we're going to be able to discern the will of God in our lives. And we're going to be able to discern what is good and pleasing. What is God's perfect will? It's, and it's not going to look something like, well, definitely take the raise. Definitely take this job. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be, if he takes you this way, and many of you were here when, when I had a huge fork in the road, and if he takes me this way, I'm like, well, I don't know what, but he's going to do something, and if he takes me this way, but we're sent. We're sent, and we're living for God's purposes. And turn over to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what it says. But you will receive power. So he's talking to... Um, um, Jesus is talking to the disciples here, but it it transfers over to us, all the same stuff. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will what? Hang out and go get a great job? You will have a successful life and have 2.3 kids? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what you're going to do. That's what the Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of you is going to give you the power to do, to be sent, to have the power to be sent, to have the power to have your mind constantly focusing on the truths of God and going, this is amazing. I'm not, I'm not, we're not down in the weeds trying to solve relationship problems on a level that is like, just stop arguing with each other, kind of like I recommended to the kids, like, just stop arguing. This is easy. No, it's not about that. It's about our sin. It's about our rebellion. It's about our conflict with God. It's about the peace that only comes with Christ. Peace with one another. Look at uh, John chapter 20, verse 23. This is an interesting verse. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Well, that doesn't sound very peaceful. Sounds very judgy, doesn't it? You see, what he's saying here, again, this is in the context of what Jesus is talking about here, right? He's going, I'm sending you, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and, what do, and, he, and you have peace with God, so your opinions are God's opinions, ideally in a perfect world, that's where we want to be, that's where we find peace. So when you speak the gospel, When you declare the good news to somebody, guess what? They either repent, confess, and believe, and it's a joy. It's living water. It's truth. It's saving. They're they're in slavery, and you provide the good news. You provide for them the peace that rescues them from their slavery. Praise God. And for those who don't, well, it's their judgment. And so whether they, whether they are saved or not, 
You are the vehicle because you are sent. You are communicating the truths of God. And lastly, maybe, maybe the one that, is, that crystallizes the most is a personal piece. Listen, listen to what happens next in this story. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. That's a bummer. <laughs> so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. I, I, I couldn't even imagine how devastating that news must have been, right? Like Mary Magdalene comes to the disciples and she's like, I saw Jesus. And the disciples are like, ah. I thought he was going to come. Like, I thought we were all going to see him. Okay, you saw him. It's probably why they were all together in one room. They're like trying to figure out what, what happens next. And now everybody's seen him. And Thomas is like, I spent the last three years with this guy. We don't know where Thomas was. No idea. It says, uh, But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Eight days later, you guys, what was Thomas going through? Could you imagine? Like, like everybody, like all the disciples have seen him, all the ladies, like everybody's seen him. Except for Thomas. Thomas is like, what did I do wrong? Maybe I maybe I messed up somewhere. Maybe my faith isn't as strong as my faith should have been, and, and so I, I don't get this. I struggle with this. Maybe, maybe you guys have, right? Like, like that's, that's, that's real. That's doubt. That's real stuff where you're like, man, I just don't understand why. I don't, I don't, I don't feel the same thing. I don't, I don't get to experience the same thing. I don't know why I, Jesus didn't appear to me. And then eight days later, as he's basking in this wrestling, I, I got to imagine he probably didn't sleep hardly at all. Jesus appears. Jesus repeats the same thing. Look at what he says in verse 27. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus came back just for Thomas. Everybody else in that room had already gotten the peace be with you line from Jesus. They're like, yeah, you, you already said this, Jesus. He's like, no, I'm coming back for Thomas. 
this is, this is like crushing to me. Apparently, right? <laughs> Think about this. This is how personal the peace is that God wants for you. And for me, and for us, that like when you're struggling in your doubts and you're not a part of the thing and you're, you feel like the train's moving and you didn't get on it and you, you don't know when it's coming again and you're just not sure what the right decisions are or which way you go or, or maybe you made a bad decision and you're like, I don't know, like, I, is, am I done? This has got to be all the things that Thomas was thinking. If Jesus goes to him just all by himself, I mean, not by himself, but with everybody else. But he goes back just for him. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 33. 23. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him... And make our home with him. Does that sound like conflict? That's peace. It's peace. He's loved me. Jesus has loved me. The angels are like glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Like this is the delivery of of peace, and he's like, all you have to do is love me, and my Holy Spirit is going to do the work in your life, and you will be, you will understand all truth, and you'll have the power to live a life that is sent and that is purposeful, that will bring you peace, and you'll have peace with others, you'll have peace in your own mind, just love John 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We read that day one when we started John. This is John's purpose in writing this and in documenting this account, because he goes, he conquered death. What else did he promise us? He promised us peace. Let me pray.